That's right, Chuck. Hello there, Assemble. Nerds, we are back after a little bit of a break. Um, we're here to record episode number 29. Hey! 28. Well, is it 29 or 28, Sean? It's 20, it's 28. It's 28 round two, you could say. Um, we did a really good breakdown of Avatar, the last airbender, and oh wait, the other avatar. Yeah, the last water. The the last water way. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, we did not get audio on that recording. Um, but you know what? Stuff happens. We're all Americans here, and uh, we make mistakes. Specifically, I make mistakes. Sean made a mistake, but you know what? I'm not going to throw Sean under the bus because Sean has spearheaded 99 Nerds for the last six or seven episodes. He's the guy editing. He's the guy making it happen. He's the wizard with recording. So no fault of you, Sean. Thank you, Austin. I'm also, not mad. I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't fit under the bus. Come on. That's they, not true. You ever see that movie, Stranger Than Fiction? Nope. With Will, okay, with <laughs> Will Ferrell. At the end of the movie, he gets hit by a bus. Ouch. I think I've seen that clip. He survives. Wow. But he saves a little boy. That's good. Yeah. Stupid he's a kid. He's a good boy. <laughs> he's a good boy. Yeah. Uh, so we're here to give you guys a little snippet, a little bit of what we recorded last time. We're gonna get, we're gonna rec- wrap up a fifty minute episode into maybe like a six minute segment. Yeah, I mean about we talked Avatar. about we talked about Avatar for an hour. We did. We gave we, told, we basically described everything anyone would ever need to know. We really did. We broke down the entire movie scene by scene almost, and we're not gonna do that today. We're gonna just gonna give you a little snip, and then we're also gonna talk about Star Wars and or series. Yeah, which we really have not touched on very much in this show, which. For we, kinda, us. we kind of went through maybe the first half of it. We did. I think it just it hit the streaming services at such a busy time in all of our lives. And we were engaged and then we disengaged. And some of us never re-engaged. So you're here to tell me why Andor rocks and why I should watch it. And I will give you a brief tidbit of Bad Batch. Yeah, and you're going to have to work really hard because I, I cannot <laughs> care less about Bad Batch. Yeah, I'll do my best to get you on board, but I can't promise that I will be able to rope you in. It's good. I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. I don't know if it's serious enough to get you on board, but we'll see. All right, so let's talk about Avatar, The Way of Water, Sean. Uh, I think we should start off by saying, what did we rate that movie? Out of town, of course. I, for myself, gave it uh, five out of five stars. That's right. So, 10. I thought it was perfect. 10. Wow. I believe David came swinging with like a 9 out of 10, and he yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. My favorite part was I, you know, I liked the movie, and I was really excited to talk to you guys about it, but you had like just come from the theater to see it. Right. Like walk out of the theater, drive here, and yeah. we start recording. And I didn't even get like a heads up of what you thought about it, whether you liked it or not. <laughs> so I was like sitting right here thinking, oh boy, what if they hated it? And I yeah. have to like have we this did. awkward conversation. We scheduled it. Me and David both had a day off and we scheduled it so that we would get, walk out of the theater, have a five minute break, and then come straight here and record our thoughts. So it was fresh because three yeah. hours and 26 minutes or something like that. I mean, man. It I'm, was... Uh, it was a lot. I'm glad that I didn't have time to digest it. I'm glad I just 
came right here. So I said, listen, here's the backstory with me and James Cameron. I think James Cameron is a punk. I don't understand why we as the world need to bow down to James Cameron every 12 years he crawls out of a hole and makes a new movie. Oh my gosh. And it's just you slap his name on it and it's going to make 2 billion dollars. It has to. It's it's the James Cameron way and he's just at the top of the leaderboard with all of his movies for box office sales. And the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way as a Marvel slappy. Oh my gosh. When Endgame overtook Avatar as the number 1 box office sales movie of all time. What did Avatar and Co. do? They re-released their movie in theaters to reclaim the number one spot. A complete chotch move. Sounds like you took it personally. Pure ridiculousness. And truthfully, I never understood the Avatar craze. I saw it one time when it first came out. And I thought, that was basically pocahontas on steroids oh my gosh or what's the other one the dances with wolves dances with wolves on steroids and i just i never fully connected to or the last samurai or the last airbender yeah or jet lee's the The one one. (laughs) maybe not but i i never felt this deep connection and i truthfully said multiple times like i don't understand why avatar is number one i don't get it and I'm somebody who's a part of 99 Nerds. You think that I'd be in on that nerd culture. I just never got it. It went over my head. So for them to re-release Avatar 12 years after it came out to reclaim the spot, somebody gave me an analogy. I can't take this as my own, but they said, imagine in football, you know, the new hot quarterback, let's call it uh, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. 15 years from Wait, now. Wait, that, that's a real person? He's a real person. Okay. 15 years from now, he might break the all-time yardage record or all-time wins record because he's really good. He's young. He's on a good team. Let's say that happens 15 years from now. Imagine Thomas Brady unretiring himself, <laughs> signing a two-day contract. Coming the, out of his chamber. With the best team in the league. Throwing three passes to then reclaim his title oh, yeah. and say like, no, 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 Patrick, this is my title. I'm coming back to take it. Even though Patrick Mahomes could do the same thing 10 years from now. Like what's what's stopping Disney from re-releasing Endgame next year to reclaim the reclaiming of the reclaim of the top spot? So all of that being said, James Cameron kind of annoys me. Uh, Avatar kind of annoys me. And I genuinely dislike it. Mm. That being said, I saw the new movie and I really liked it. 8.9 out of 10. Great movie. <laughs> well, there you go. It was a freaking saga. It just. Sure. It was an epic. Yeah. It was three hours and plus movie, but I loved it. I just, it just sucked me in. It, it's a good movie. Like I said, I don't care about the blue people until I did. And they got me. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> and as somebody who has kids, I think this movie is like a straight up family movie. He's a dad. Sure. He's got three kids. It's the struggle of the family, raising kids. Yeah. He's not the best father figure. So it's him navigating. How do I even raise these kids? It's a good movie. Yeah. It's, I, uh, it's also, I think, probably such a great example of spectacle, like movie magic spectacle. This isn't just rehashing something you've seen a hundred times. Right. 
It is a movie that is trying to take it to the upteenth yeah. level. Killer uh, visual effects, obviously. Very well thought out and dynamic action sequences. Like the last hour of that film is just one big action sequence. It just kept going and getting more yeah. and more intense and building and building. And it's fun. Yeah. It's funny at times. It's exciting. It also has like this fantastic sense of like wonder and awe, yeah. which could come across as so cheesy at times, but honestly they, they deal with it so sincerely. You kind of just get sucked into it. I would say like one of the things we said in the last recording is it took them 12 years to make the second one. And man, you can tell that they spent, you can really tell they spent 12 years perfecting this. I think the, the big turning point for me in the movie was when they finally go to the, water people it's kind of this different group of avatars or navi and they are living on the water and they've got thicker tails because they swim and they've got thicker forearms because they swim and they got cool broccoli haircuts yeah (laughs) didn't care for that too much and david really hated that but uh i think that was the turning point in the movie where like the storyline kind of settles down and you get to know the characters and you get to know the kids a little bit more Mm -hmm. and you definitely get more emotionally invested which that's one of the things that I, I really didn't feel emotionally tied to the first one. Right. Right. This one I did. They, they suck you in pretty good, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, one of the things we really highlighted in last is how after seeing uh, black Panther, sure. Wakanda forever. Yeah. And then seeing avatar man (laughs) there, Wakanda forever kind of botched. Well, it's funny because we talked, it's like, you couldn't help but think about like the endings of these two movies are so similar. It's a giant action sequence, essentially revolving around a ship. Yeah. Like Titanic. Oh, I did mention that. But the funny thing is that when you watch it, how it's done in avatar, the way of water, it makes Wakanda forever's uh, finale seem like trivial and like amateur. Not, not only that, not only the conclusion, but just like the detail of, the water world. Yeah, the depth of it all. Like, Sean, I'm going to give you complete freedom, creative freedom to create this unknown world under the sea. Creative freedom. And James Cameron did a significantly better job than uh, the folks at Marvel did. Sure. I mean, he yeah. pulled out all the stops. Because it's like, if in hindsight, think about how little we actually got to spend time with Talokan. The people yeah. under the ocean, they have an entire culture, a whole city. It is like one brief montage of Shuri just swimming around with them while a backstory is kind of explained. swimming through murky water. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't see anything. It's yeah. like just dim lights in the, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I, that was one of the, I mean, you know, like you had said in the last one, like James Cameron is creating this whole thing. Like he wants this to be his star Wars. This is his Harry Potter. This is yeah. his, world that he's creating and i it's even like compared to star wars there's some things in star wars where it's like i wish they would dig deeper on a planet that is not tatooine yeah exactly and for him to show a whole nother side of this planet on pandora and like what's going on in this area of the planet Mm -hmm. man taps off it's like national geographic like animal planet style documentaries of like hey remember back in the olden days where they'd have like a 45 minute special just about lions yeah. And here's what they do. Watch how they hunt and watch how they live their life. And that's all you do is just watch this thing where lions are 
put in detail. There's a lot of that in The Way of Water, like exploring the ecosystem and trying to make it all thought through and interesting. Like, oh, here's how this animal works and here's how you can wear it on your back and in a weird way it provides oxygen for you. And, yeah. And, you know, for a three-hour movie, I don't know how long, but it seemed like at least 30 minutes. At least 30 minutes is like extended sequences of the kids just playing in the water. Mm-hmm. Like just being excited and engaged with it and, and learning things. And there's something kind of weirdly nostalgic about that. Like just going for a swim and like playing by the creek or playing in the river or going out in the woods and just enjoying nature. Yeah. And even though that seems like a little bit whimsical and shallow or whatever, cheesy, it just works. Yeah. And it makes you, like you said, it makes you care about these characters. It's a it's a movie that benefits from being so long because you you have enough time spent with all of them that once things go dangerous and once they get in trouble and things go bad, it's like, dude. I'm going to fight for these kids to the death. <laughs> yeah. And a couple more hit like talking points that we hit on last episode was uh, I, I felt very lost for the first 45, 50 minutes of the movie. Because right, because you didn't remember anything from it, Avatar. It had been 12 years since I seen the first one. Dang. And they do a really good job of like kind of guiding you through and like, hey, remember this guy? Let me show you this guy. Yeah, you Let were me basically show you. like Quaritch, the bad guy. Yeah. Where you died. Right. I had to catch you back up. Except I forgot that he died. Well, so they well, caught me go, up yeah. on the fact that he died. Well, there you go. Um, but you you just said you read the Wikipedia page, right? That's that's literally all we did. We just sat yeah. down and read the summary on Wikipedia. Because, yeah. I mean, I'd probably seen it more recently than you, but it's still it'd probably been like eight years. Sure. So, yeah. I saw it one time 12 years ago, and um, I would highly recommend either seeing the other one before you come you go see the second one or yeah, like yeah. like sean did just read the wikipedia page to kind of catch yourself up because yeah it's i mean there's a lot of tie-ins that i was confused on for the first uh 45 minutes or right. so um what else were we gonna say well i was gonna say uh what i was always so interested in was okay he's making an avatar too of course but the fact was he was always talking about oh, i'm gonna make five of these yeah it's like are you sure bro that seems like an ambitious <laughs> Thing to say you're going to do. I mean, but when you watch The Way of Water, it makes sense because you realize he's trying to make a saga. Yeah. This is meant to be kind of his Star Wars. Yeah. Where we're not just focusing on Jake and Neytiri, the, the two main uh, Navi parents, but also their kids. You realize this is kind of a, meant to be a story of a, a whole generation, mm-hmm. as it were. And that's kind of why getting invested is a big deal. And putting all that time and effort into writing the story. And I mean, because they could have put an Avatar 2 out within a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Of the first one. But instead, they spent a decade or more yeah. getting a story ready and fleshing it all out. And then on top of that, rev- like revamping all their technology to not just film Avatar 2 and make it better than the first one was technologically, but create a process they could streamline and actually film two and three at once. Mm. And so theoretically getting episode three out quicker than normal. Yeah. I, you know, if you were to tell me before I saw number two that they were going to make a three, a four and potentially a five, I would have been like, why? But you watch two and it's like, I want to see where this goes. Right. There's this character, this character and this character where I'm really interested to see where their story progresses. 
Um, and then the other major talking point that we hit on was Jake's wife. What's her name? Natiri. Natiri is an absolute boss Savage. with the bow. I she's, mean, she's she's pretty much like I don't remember much about her from the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> but there's like this thing of like, dude, I want to be Natiri when I grow up. Seriously, she's a savage and she is up there with like we were talking about who's the best archer in like all of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, fantasy world. Yeah. She's up there with you Legolas. Legolas, you got Robin Hood and right. uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye and Green Arrow, but she is, she competes with Legolas, no doubt. I mean, she's not human. She scares me. She's pretty freaky. She I feel like if she was like if I did something to upset her and she wanted to kill me, I'd just give up. Yeah. Yeah, there's no running. So I think that's, you know, that's a good touch on Avatar. We really liked it. Um, I'm that's, glad that I saw it. Of it. We were joking at one time about how Sean got us tickets, which I forgot to mention. Sean got us tickets. We couldn't go with him. Something came up for both me and David. So Sean went before us. Uh, and then me and David finally committed to seeing it. And I'm glad we saw it. I'm glad you pushed us towards it, Sean. Push. It was good. I was a little upset that I gave James Cameron more of my money, but you know what? Taps off, James Cameron. Taps off to James. Yamez. Mr. Cameron. All right, so Sean, I want you to convince me to become an Andorinian. Andorian. Oh, that make, yeah, that sounds better. Well, Andor is a more ambitious kind of a TV show from Lucasfilm in the Star Wars universe. We got The Mandalorian, right? Mandalorian's pretty good television. It works. It's fun, it's engaging, it's exciting. I stopped liking Mandalorian only when it started becoming very fan servicey. Because mm. I felt like that was really just taking away from the story yeah. instead of adding to it. Yeah. Now, Boba Fett had the same problem. I actually liked the Boba Fett show a little bit more than you guys did, but at the same time, I could really sit down and rewrite that whole show and make it a lot more interesting. And then you watch the Kenobi show. Now, the Kenobi show similarly has a lot of fan service, but it still executes it well. Yeah. Um, the Kenobi show, I wasn't a huge fan of up until basically the very end because I felt like, okay, yeah, they have their big climactic rematch duel with Darth Vader and Kenobi, and but they did it really well. They stuck the landing there. They did. So now Andor, you know, everyone's favorite character, <laughs> Andor from Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who you know for like what, like thirty minutes, and Maybe. then he dies. Yeah, and I don't know if I liked him in the movie either because he's kind <laughs> of a, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, K two S O was the real star of that movie. Exactly, Andor he's a was lovable not. droid. Yeah. Andor is like, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. You and know, and like, like he's just always, dude. You're not Merkin. You're not the main character. You introduce him by shooting some boy in the back. Yeah, a traitor. Yeah. He's a bad guy. He's he's the he's the bloody hands of the rebellion. Yeah, you know I guess he's so. he's the cleaner, the Metal Gear, or the, the yeah the solid snake. He's the dirty underbelly. Yeah, just doing the wet work that nobody mm. wants to do. So just I'm like, it. okay, so that's Andrew. You want to do a whole show about that guy? Now I'll say this: first impressions are the most important, right? For anything, mm -hmm. you know. And I was ultimately really annoyed that the show starts off. By having Andor walk into a bar slash gentleman's club, I don't know what it is, and right. ask about his sister. He's looking for his sister. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, Andor has a sister. Wow, what are the odds? A sibling in the Star Wars universe? That's never been done before. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, he's looking for his sister. That being the very first thing they establish leads me to think that's kind of a personal conflict that's a, something important to him. Right. 
And then it never comes up for the rest of the show, at least mm. season one. Him looking for his sister is no longer relevant. And that's a little bit weird to me. I don't know why they decided to do that. Yeah. I totally understand, like, hey, maybe season two, that's going to be more important. And they do have flashbacks throughout the show of what happens to his sister and him growing up and why him and her got separated and why it might be important for him to be continuing to look for her. But there's like, there's no more leads. Nothing ever. He doesn't like get any closer to finding her. And there's like, you know, it didn't matter. (laughs) So anyway, that's, that's the one thing that I think the show kind of tripped over at the very start. Mm. The other thing that, well, I guess there's two things. One was the sister. (laughs) The two is I really, really feel the show is better consumed all at once. Sure. I know we get complacent about like, hey, dude, isn't it so much better when the show comes out all at once? You can just binge watch it. Why do? Why? We, I thought we figured out. Right. This was the way to do it. Right. Why are we going back in time? Why are we going backwards to to hitting the hitting the thing <laughs> hitting the backdrop? Yeah. Why are we going backwards and going to one episode a week? It's annoying. Yeah. And I think Andor suffers from this a lot because sure. its plot is so slow paced and it's not even about a slow pace it's just the fact that the show doesn't plan on setting up and paying off things in an episode Mm -hmm. it'll set something up in one episode and it won't pay it off for like three episodes right and they're long and and they're long episodes and so you're kind of like always stuck of like well what plot thread am i if i'm am i meant to like suspend here imagine i'm juggling plot lines right now I can do two or three, four at once, but like, you can't keep throwing ones at me. I need to know what's what's important right now. So a lot of characters suffer from it being a long form show delivered piecemeal. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. That said, Andor's a pretty good show. <laughs> it's ambitious. It's interesting. It's it's much more gritty and yeah. uh, mature. One might say adult for a Star Wars show. It deals with much heavier themes. It's a lot more, um, I don't know, I guess you could say morbid about what it's like to live under a tyrannical government. Yeah. Like it doesn't pull punches. It doesn't hold back about how brutal and devastating that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that even though Star Wars, I think, functions best as a family-friendly adventure series for all ages... I, at the same time, think you can get a lot of value from a show that takes the ideas of fascism and tyranny and rebellion and resistance and and hope from poverty and oppression and things like that. I think a show that is so fantastical, like the Star Wars universe, but dealing with such heavy subjects is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I liked it for that reason. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. We've talked about how the show has a weird... I think this is kind of how they wanted to do it. It's 12, it's 12 episodes. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like what they were trying to do was pack up different main plot lines in packages of like three episodes. Yeah. Like you have the first three episodes focusing on how Andor meets this Luthan guy, Mm -hmm. which is more or less how he gets roped into the next segment, which is a big heist. We're going to steal millions of credits from this Imperial base. Mm hmm. And then that goes into another three-part saga where Andor gets arrested and now he's sent to this prison and him and the prisoners got to find a way to escape. So you have a um, you have a storyline about um, 
a wanderer, a lone wolf becoming a member of a resistance. Like, yeah, let's, I want you to come with me. Let's hurt the empire. Let's get him where it really hurts, you know? Yeah. And now it's a heist, a heist story. Okay. And then it's a prison escape story. The last three felt like it was spinning its wheels a little bit more. Wasn't quite sure where it was all trying to get to. One of the major elements of it is that Andor's mom dies. Now you've, you've watched at least half of the show, right? You watched, I watched up to the heist. You watched up to the end of the heist. Yes. So it's not the prison. um, The prison escape is like amazing television. First of all, you got your boy, Andy circus. Oh, heck yeah. Playing a, playing a character and all that. He plays kind of the foreman of the prison over the prisoners. And that's just like some amazing storytelling, especially because like I said, set up and pay off because Andor and these guys are just trapped in a prison. A lot of their story elements, the plot lines stay in this main, like they stay within their episodes as it were. Like they, you feel like you can follow along exactly what's going on. Yes. Every once in a while they cut to Luthen and Mon Mothma and their, their storylines. But generally, you can feel like totally submerged and immersed in this prison plot. Yeah. Super, super, super good television. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spoil it too much for you. You can. I mean, we can talk about no, it. You got to see how it ends, bro. The The prison plot is so good. But I, I'll say... The, I want to see it. But I'll say the last three episodes. The last three episodes are kind of this thing of like, okay, he escaped the prison. Well, now what? Oh, well, his his mother is sick and she eventually passes away. Mm. Okay. So what? <laughs> I don't know, like okay, who cares? You know, I mean, hey, that's that's sad, but is that like right. a is that a plot line? Is that supposed to be a story beat? Right. Well, what's going to happen is he needs to he feels he needs to go back home to Ferrix, mm-hmm. which is the uh, planet they were on in the first three episodes. He feels he needs to go home because his mom died. He wants to be there for the funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, because she was such a long-standing member of the community, the city and the people want to do a really elaborate memorial for her. And they're going to like do a parade and they're going to do this very solemn tr- ritual that they have where I think they take her ashes and they turn it into a brick and then they place the brick in a wall. It's like this whole, mm. it's this whole like meaningful sentimental thing. But the problem is Andor is going to try to get back home to be there. But the Empire's looking for him. Right. So it's weird because the that's like the plot for the last three episodes. And you end up with like um, a spy for the rebellion, like one of Luthen's spies, like camped outside of the mom's house, like waiting for when Andor shows up. And then simultaneously you have an Imperial spy waiting outside the house for him to show up. And it's like three episodes of them just waiting. <laughs> Nothing happens. Well, that's that sounds like it's kind of continues the pace that they used in what I saw at the one through six, because the whole heist uh, storyline I thought was really good, but it's kind of like this. It's the story that they were trying to tell. They could not have done it in a one hour episode. Of course. But like, I mean, how long did it take three? Well, that's the thing. How long are each episode? Uh, Well, it's a good question. It's probably it's never less than 40 minutes, I think. Okay, so three. I mean, you're talking about a two, two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, maybe up to three. I mean, so let's call it two and a half hours. If you were to tell me there was a two and a half hour movie about a heist. Sure. 
that sure. two and a half hour movie about a heist sucked. It just oh was, there wasn't enough. <laughs> the pace was super slow. Like if somebody were to make a two and a half hour movie about a heist, I just feel like there would be so much sure. more to the story. But again, the, the three episodes they used, like there's no way they could have condensed that. So it was kind of stuck in this middle ground, no man's land of like the pace isn't quick enough, but for how much time you're taking, I want more. I, I will say though, the last episode of that heist I thought was extremely well and done. That's that's that seems to always be the the theme with this show. Yeah, is that third episode yeah. <laughs> is really really so good. So just watch three, six, nine, and twelve <laughs> exactly. And so right. it, you know what I'll say too: the the heist brings up a good point of you feel like for those first two episodes especially they're just repeating things mm -hmm. like okay episodes four or five it's about and or part of this crew he's going to be a part of this heist he's learning the stakes he's learning the plan he's taking directions and they're rehearsing drills and they're figuring out how they're going to do it okay cool but some of the things are like repeated okay i get it they don't trust him He's mm -hmm. the new guy. Right. He got drawn in late. Right. They don't trust him. Okay, I get it. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Listen, I get it. It's like you've been doing this Sean, for over an hour now. This guy, though? Yeah. Doesn't trust him. I don't trust him. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, a part of me feels like you're doing, you're writing these scenes because you just don't have anything else to do. Yeah. And it's like, well, they can't actually do the heist until episode six. And so, I mean, like. Right. That's what it felt like. I got to figure out how yeah. to fill this up, you know? And then they're introducing these characters and like trying to like somewhat include them in the storyline and you get a little taste of their past and then they end up dying. And it's like, sure. What? Okay. <laughs> that was kind of a waste. I'll say the show actually is interesting because it does this thing where characters in a movies usually or TV shows when they die, it's like, oh, it's ultra dramatic. Yeah. You know, play the sad music and do a slow-mo shot and focus on them like getting their last words out you know yeah. but this show characters die off like rapidly yeah without much like without like any room to think about it just go and and we kind of talked about it in that heist episode like three characters died yeah. and unless you were really paying Blink attention and you miss it and they're just they just dropped out they're just gone and or there's, the there's no like there's no clear shot of them dying yeah and then there's the there's the young kid who is part of the heist and he's um well he gets killed because he gets crushed by the, the crates. Yeah. yeah, all those crates while they're escaping. And he doesn't die right away. Instead, it's like, you know, how do we get him to the doctor? You know, and yeah. it's like, okay, we're going <laughs> to. So they get him to a doctor and then he dies off screen. Yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's, that's dark, but hey, yeah. whatever. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. But what's weird is that character actually is a lot more important than he seems because he's got his manifesto. Right. He's got this manifesto he wrote about the rebellion and um, Andor takes it. I don't even know if he like wanted Andor to have it before he died, but Andor just takes it. Yeah. And that becomes really important later on. Andor, I think it's, I don't remember if it's episode 11 or 12. He sits down, he actually listens to it like it was a recording. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a, a mini speech the kid made about what the rebellion means and what they want to do and what it its purpose is and challenging others to take it up seriously. Yeah. And I think it ends with the word. I think it ends with the phrase, like we must try, you know, try. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh shoot. Do or do not. There is no try. You <laughs> fool. You absolute <laughs> idiot. You moron. 
you useless loser. <laughs> but it's a, it's it, the show has um, that kind of okay. We're gonna walk, we're gonna spend two episodes showing how miserable it is to be under the Empire's oppression and their rule, and then we're gonna have a big dramatic moment in the third where they all like fight. Mm. And that's very much. I mean, I I just told you exactly what to expect in episodes 10, 11, 12. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. It's like right. two episodes of man, it sucks when somebody passes away and you don't even know if you can have a funeral for him because the empire is so strict and they're so cruel and they won't let you do things. And right. And then, okay. Episode 12 happens. They do the funeral and then they can't take it anymore <laughs> and they mm. fight. Dang. There are some interesting, um, I don't want to spoil it for you because I think you'll really enjoy it, but I, I promise you, Sean, I will watch it and I will watch it as soon as I, did can. you watch Shang Chi? No. <laughs> okay. I've been struggling. Have you rewatched your wedding video? No, I haven't. That's okay. Most people don't, I don't think. I mean, I have, but not recently. Okay. I didn't watch my wedding video instead of Shang-Chi is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it, you might remember the character, again, because you've only seen like the... It was a few, it was I've a seen few months the first, ago. Yeah, it's been a couple months, yeah. So there, you might remember the Imperial officer who originally tries to yeah. arrest... The guy that goes back to live with his mom. Yes, he's a bit of a loser, right? Sure. His name is Cyril. Okay. So Cyril is a... Interest... Man, I use that word too much, don't I? Interesting. <laughs> What's a better word than interesting? Mm, dynamic. Dynamic. Ooh. Complex. Complex. Magnanimous. Systematic. Systematic. <laughs> Cyril's a systematic character. <laughs> he's been humiliated. He's been shamed. He's been brought low, mm. as they say. Right. Um, humiliated. He doesn't. He doesn't have a job anymore. He lost his job. He's no longer, uh, you know, an imperial security officer. Right. Right. Well, living with his mom who only makes things worse, as we all know. Right. <laughs> Tell me about it in this economy. That guy's mom. Yeah. Not mine, though. <laughs> right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Aunt Sherry's great. She is. He eventually gets an opportunity to, you know, get another job where he works kind of like in systems analysis or whatever. Systematic. Systematic. Exactly. Complex. <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> he eventually gets contacted by the Empire, specifically, um, I think her name is Deidre. Is that the blonde chick? She is the okay. blonde Imperial officer who is... Hellbent on finding Andor. Right. She's got a thing where right. she's like, I I don't know if she's a, a true believer in the Empire or she's just an extremely evil person. Yeah. But she's like dead set on getting him. So she contacts Cyril and kind of starts questioning him and trying to get information from him because he knows that he was the last one to essentially have tried to capture him and, you know, you tell me what happened on Ferrix and all that stuff. Cyril falls head over heels for her. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. And I, it's actually kind of weird because it's like, bro, she's like a mean, miserable, <laughs> awful person. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I want. <laughs> um, nice. So he stalks her for a while. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like really weird. So does she know his past? That, he, that was, he lives with his mom? That he was released from the Empire? Kind of. Well, he didn't technically work for the Empire, did he? No, he worked for the company that was security for the planet where Andor murked those two guys right. at the start. He's basically like a local police yeah, officer. But he believes in it. You know, he believes right. in law and order. So uh, it's his favorite TV show. Mm. Dun, dun. Uh, 
SVU. Yeah. So he eventually decides, like, I just want to get to know her mm. and work for her. Nice. Because I want to, like, be a part of what she's doing. I want to capture Endor, too. Right, right. Our ideals line up. We're meant to be together, don't you see? <laughs> it's and. Fate. She does not want anything to do with him. Classic. She finds out he's stalking her, and she is like, I could have you killed. Dang. Get away from me. (laughs) Well, anyway, he finds out that Andor's mother dies. Uh. So it's kind of the reason, again, it's a weird plot point, but it is relevant because it's the idea of all these characters are finding out she died. They they don't know a lot about Andor. They just know this is his mom. Yeah. They find out she's dead. And, oh, the planet, she's a big, long-standing member of the community. They want to do a funeral for her. And it's like, ah, mm. I bet that Andor will be there. Right. And so Cyril finds out, and he's going to go there. Deidre finds out she's going to go there. Luthen finds out. Mm. You know, everybody's in trying. And so it's like this thing where all of the characters from the show congregate for this one episode. Yeah. And it all goes off. Dang. Big firefight ensues. Deidre ends up surrounded by rebels on Ferex. You know, a bunch of a big riot starts. She's surrounded and she's in danger and they're going to beat her to death. Nice. And then who comes out of the who comes out of the crowd? Who comes out of nowhere? Her hero. Picks her up and saves her. Your boy. My boy. Cyril. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this really intense scene where he like he picks her up. He grabs her and he like drags her into a. Uh, like a small building and slams the door shut to, you know, keep the guys out. And she like pulls a gun on him because she doesn't know who he is or whatever. Mm. And it's like, you, <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> it's like this really intense moment. You're like, oh my gosh, are they about to like make out or something? <laughs> they don't. Or is she just going to shoot him? It's, what's the difference? Tension. Exactly. Nice. A relational tension. That's what you get with a systematic character like him. <laughs> a very complex dynamic one for sure. <laughs> he, nice. So, uh, you know, there's other elements, too. Everybody has their moment. Um, Luthen develops a small plot line where it is revealed he has an informant that he knows in the Empire. Mm. He's, got a, he's got a spy. So he meets up with this spy. The spy informs him, the Empire has discovered a planned attack from a rebel named uh, Krieger. Mm. Now Krieger is never shown in the show, which is a little bit weird. Okay, they make he's you know they make this big deal out of he's about to play he's got this attack on the empire, but the empire knows about it. Mm-hmm. But they never show him. Mm-hmm. It's just always like referred to. So now Luthen has a choice. Hmm. If I warn Krieger, the empire is going to know something's up. They're going to know he was tipped off somehow. I might even compromise my spy. But. If I don't tell him, he'll be walking right into an Empire ambush and him and his men are going to get slaughtered. Mm. So here's the problem, though. It's not just Luthen who has to kind of make this decision. He has to meet with one of his other rebel leader contacts and discuss it with him. Saw Guerrera. Oh, shoot. So you have scenes with Luthen and Saw Guerrera meeting up where Luthen reveals, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm willing to leave him out to dry. Mm. You got Saw Guerrera having to be like, how can you do this? This isn't right. You know, until they like discuss it. And then it's like, you know, they decide like, hey, this is for the rebellion. You got to do what you got to do. Dang. Let the guy die. Shoot. Let him get marked. Oof. 
and I don't remember. There's, it's actually some. Again, I'll give the show credit where it's due. Some really good writing comes out of all of Luthen and Sagrera stuff. Okay. In fact, Luthen, I, you, I don't know if you've seen it on the internet. I wouldn't be surprised. Like people praising this monologue Luthen gives to his spy at one point, mm. where the spy is trying to call him out of like you know, hey man, I you know I'm my life is at risk here, and you know think about how much I'm sacrificing to do this for you, and right, and like what are you sacrificing? And Luthen goes off on this like beautiful monologue about what it's costing him to do this stuff. Dang. It's pretty impressive. And um, and there's also kind of moments where Saw Gerrera very similarly has like, you know, Luthen's like, we have to do what we have to do. Call it what you want. And Saw Gerrera like, I call it war. <laughs> it's, some pretty, it's some pretty good writing with those characters. Um, so there's obviously the Andor plot line where he escapes from the prison and then he's kind of alone for a while, figuring out how he can sneak back home mm-hmm. to be there for his mom's funeral. There's the, like I said, Luthen saw Guerrero storylines. Then there's the Mon Mothma stuff. Now, listen, yeah. I said the show suffers from being episodic or at least not being released at once. Right. No one's story suffers more than Mon Mothma's, I would argue. I bet if you took just her scenes out of the show, all of them, and you cut them all together, it would probably be really interesting and engaging, well-told, and fine. The problem is you could fit her entire story into one episode. Right. And instead, you're, you're sprinkling it over 12. Right. You know, there's a minor subplot where... She's got to hide money. She's financing the rebellion, specifically Luthen. Yeah. But she's a senator. That's risky. What if she gets caught? So she's trying to figure out ways to move money secretly. She tries to ask a friend to help her. The friend isn't able to really help her, but he knows somebody who can. They meet up with this guy, and he's kind of got a pretty bold deal. Mm. He says, I'll do this for you. But hey, you know. Your daughter's single. Oh. oh my gosh. But then he says, like, no, I have a single son. I meant, oh. like, yeah, my, you have a teenage daughter, I have a teenage son. I just feel like, you know, they'd be, it, it, wouldn't it be kind of cute if they just, like, got to know each other? <laughs> and um, you find out that Mon Mothma actually herself was part of an arranged marriage when ah, she was little. Ah, that makes sense. That's why her and her husband don't like each other. Yeah, yeah. They're cold shouldering each other. Right. Like, they've been stuck out in a blizzard. Mm. It's It's like, okay. I have to make a choice here. How important is the rebellion? Is it right. more important than my daughter? Right. Oh my gosh. That's a really cool idea for a story. That's like episode seven. They set that up. Yeah. And then they don't come back to it until like episode 11. Dang. <laughs> Again, I, I, I think it's cool. You're trying to give my Mothma this deep stuff, but it doesn't work when right. you like space it out too much. Yeah. Right. Sure. And that makes a lot of sense because I was really intrigued by her storyline because she's a huge figure in the rebellion, but we don't really know anything about her. And frankly, every time I hear her name, I just think that she's some kind of evolution of a Pokemon. Well, uh, she is that too. Mothra. Isn't that yes, a Pokemon? Of course. Mon Mothra. <laughs> yeah. So she's the highest evolution. Well, like mom Mothma. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's, a, she's a mom. Yeah. She's like the mother of the rebellion. Do you think she's in Multiverse of Madness? Well, yeah. <laughs> she might be related to Ron. Dude. 
Um, but yeah, Ron, I, Ron Mothma. I will say that I wanted to see it. And now that you explained it, I want to um, see it. It's worth the price of admission just for that prison escape story. Okay. Because um, I've had multiple people text me saying, dude, have you, are you catching up on Andor? And they were texting me right around episode eight and nine. I mean, it's, it's, it's some of Andy Serkis's finest acting I've ever seen from him. Good stuff. It's terrific writing. It's really well plotted and paced. And it's just like, this is Star Wars, man. Yeah. Fighting for freedom, no matter what it takes, you know, going after liberty and justice for all, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. Like, dang, that's what I want. This is the stuff that makes me inspired. That's Star Wars, baby. Heck yeah, dude. And then episodes like 10, 11, 12 are okay, but <laughs> not dang. quite the same. Well, I mean, they, they've already confirmed season two, right? Uh, yeah, in fact, they said, and I don't know if this is totally true, but I thought I heard that the fil- uh, the creators said we originally planned for three seasons, mm-hmm. but we were able to accomplish so much of what we wanted in season one that we're just going to do two seasons now. Interesting. Which, I mean, hey, they did 12 episodes for that first season. A lot of stuff nowadays is like doing eight. Yeah. But they did 12. So that's cool. That is cool. I'm happy about it. Um, I'm just hoping for some K2SO. Dude, heck yeah. Well, if he wasn't in season one, that's disappointing because I was definitely looking forward to some heavy K2SO content. Maybe cameo from Ned B. Oh my God. Are they cousins? Brothers. (laughs) Enemies. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, All right. So I'm going to give you a very quick touch on Bad Batch. Bad Batch is a fun show. Um, Bad Batch is a fun show. Show. It's a lot like Clone Wars where it's kind of lighthearted and fun, <laughs> but then there's moments of murder. Oh my like, gosh. I was I walk- like murder. I was so I woke up early and I was working on our basement and I I decided to walk, catch up on Bad Batch while I was riding my bike. So then I finished riding my bike and I was just like stretching on the ground and I was laying on the ground. Holding- well, you ride your bike at home. Yeah, I've got like an indoor trainer thing. I okay, put my bike not on. like I just sometimes I picture you as like a little boy just like jumping on your bike. I just need to. I just need to ride my bike. going little laps around my basement. Yeah. (laughs) My big bike. Uh, So I was laying on the ground watching on the iPad, and my son woke up, and he came downstairs. He said, what are you watching? So I turned the volume on and said, it's Bad Batch. Oh, no. It was the last two minutes of, I think it was episode two. And uh, just to give you brief context, basically, uh, at the end of season one, uh, there's an Imperial officer that's rising up in the ranks, and he's very zealous, and he's very... uh, Go get him, type of guy. And he is tasked with basically destroying Camino. Dang. Just completely Why? aerial bombing it to smithereens. No, they're fine. They're just chilling, dude. And it's because it's the Bad Batch is really focusing on kind of this turn from the Republic to the Empire and also the Empire using clones, but now they're using more humans. So they're retiring the clone army and they're trying to develop the yeah. enlisted. And it's they go to Camino and it's kind of like you guys are too expensive. And oh these, my gosh, clones, money! We can definitely just money. Get, we can just get recruits. It'll be cheaper, and they're going to do just as good a job. These clones aren't even that impressive. Dang! And they basically backstab all the Caminoians. Camonians. What's the proper term? Camonians. <laughs> uh, camo. Camonians. Camo. Yeah. Camo. Camonians. You know what's funny is right. there's uh, there's that system there's the uh, there's a moment in Force Awakens where Rey is trying to repair the Millennium Falcon and she keeps telling 
BB-8. Like, tell us where the system is. Or she says it to Finn. Mm-hmm. Finn doesn't actually know where. Oh, that's right. The resistance system is. So he's like, yeah, BB-8, tell her. Tell her, you know? And you know what's funny? Is there's a moment where BB-8 finally answers. Right. And she's like, the Alenian system. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like the Mandela effect, but I feel like I can hear her saying virtually every other planet name. <laughs> like, I feel like I can hear her saying the Kaminoan system. <laughs> the Tatooinean system. Mm. So sometimes I think about that. Yeah. Ray, what a sweetheart. Battlefront anyway. 2 has a big uh, has a big action level um, on Camino. Yes, it does. Yeah. Heck yeah. Actually, two. There's like the ground warfare one, and then there's the space battle one. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so, back to Bad Batch. So, the end of season one. So, there's a there's an Imperial officer. He doesn't like water. He hated Avatar 2. He hated Wakanda forever, so now he's like trying to stop it. You're on it. He's basically like, he's Tarkin's right-hand man, Gosh. and he's trying to rise in the ranks. So, he completely bombards Camino in an attempt to kill. But it's water. It doesn't he, seem like it would well, do he much. He kills uh, the city. I forget what it's called. Just but dropping splashes? The capital city. They're, they totally bomb it to smithereens. But the, he's trying to eliminate sure. Task Force 99. As clones, you do. Clones 99. Unit 99. 99 clones. <laughs> the Bad Batch. He's trying to kill right. the Bad Batch. He is under the impression that the Bad Batch is dead. They're not. They come back in season two. And they kind of go on. See, what, what this show suffers from is right now, they are essentially just working for this lady who is kind of this shady character and she sends them on deals to get money so she can get paid and they can get paid and the arrangement is basically like listen so they're mercs they're mercs dang they're doing jobs for her so they can get by because they don't have any money and she basically says listen you do money you do these jobs for me and i won't tell anybody that you're here because i know the empire is looking for you so uh they show up they go to this they do a couple of side missions for her and they get discovered like oh my gosh that's that's uh clone the clones clone unit 99 they're still alive attack of the clones so there's a another clone trooper that is trying to eliminate them because he's you know they're running amok on his planet yada yada and at the end of the episode there's another clone trooper that's trying to take them down oh yeah all the clones are traitor no, no, because the clones now work for the Empire. Oh, the Bad Batch are the traitors. The Bad Batch has turned their back on the Empire. Back Batch. Yes, turn your back batch. And so this clone trooper, he puts in a report that says, like, I saw Unit 99. They were on my planet and sure. they got away. And this Admiral, Admiral Mull, Admiral. Admiral Mull. We will just edit all of this. Sure. <laughs> this Admiral... He, he basically confronts this clone and he says, listen, I read your report and uh, there's some discrepancies in it. You said that you saw uh, clone unit 99. That's impossible because they're dead. You know, they died on Camino. How big is clone unit 99? It's four dudes. So they are very confident that they killed four dudes. Yeah. This isn't like 400 where it'd be obvious like, yeah, we got rid of them, but it's like four dudes. Four dudes. Okay. So he says, listen, like you, uh, we need to talk about you saying this there's no way they're dead and he goes no i saw them and he said okay well there's just, there's just no way he says that's un- survive, that's possible. unfortunate because we I'm, bombed the plan he said i'm gonna need you to redo your report and eliminate any mention of task unit 99 from your report because there's no way that tarkin can know that they're still alive oh no he can't be found out right so the clone says 
listen, I'm not going to falsify any of my reports. And he said, I know you're not. I am. <gasps> oh, no. And that is the part that Oliver came downstairs Murder. and said, Dad, what are you watching? I said, Murder it's Bad Batch. Let's foul. watch. <laughs> and then Admiral What's-His-Face murders a clone. And uh, so, I mean, he's just a byproduct of a toxic work environment. Anytime you get this <laughs> did, your, did your son just get, like, totally mortified? <laughs> I, I had to explain to him, I said, Oliver, anytime you got leadership where it's, like, life or death when it comes to these decisions that you make and, like, you can't make a mistake or it's your neck. Of course. You know, you get people who lie, you get people who murder, you get people who are trying to rise up the ranks of the empire. And it's very tyrannical and not uh, a healthy work environment, not good leadership sure. tactics. And you were like, you know, son, I've had I've been a business owner myself. And yeah. there's a couple times I've had to put people down just once or twice. But yeah. I would never do a third or a fourth. It's <laughs> <laughs> bad leadership. the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all of that being said, Sean, you would enjoy episode four, which just came out. Uh, it's a pod racer episode. Oh, my God. It's actually pretty well done. Uh, but what's more important is two words. In episode three, we get Commander Cody back. So what? He's the goat, dude. He's a loser. Yeah, no, I don't. Is. You know, I don't watch. I don't watch <laughs> enough Clone Wars to be. Well, Commander Cody is is Obi Wan's commander. He's the one that shot down Obi Wan. So David had a very good theory, traitor, that I thought they would touch in. Lost him. Is in that what he the, says? Yes. Who's the one that Ahsoka saves from being a genocider? Uh, Rex. So Cody's still a genocider. Well, the interesting thing is Rex is not even in the movies. Rex is only from the Clone Wars show. But Commander sure. Cody is actually like one of the only guys that we know his name. He was Obi-Wan's guy, yellow armor, antenna yeah. poking out of the shoulder. Blast him. Yeah. Blast him. And uh, David theorized that maybe they would bring Commander Cody into the fold for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. But they, they didn't. They didn't. And he had a really good idea. It's like you get this, you know, rogue clone who's obsessed with the fact that he didn't complete his mission because Obi-Wan got away. Um, but in this episode, they bring him back. He goes on a special mission with one of the, the task unit 99 who basically stayed with the empire. Okay. Task unit 99 was five dudes. Now it's four because crosshairs, the dude who's epic with the sniper, he stayed with the empire. He does not believe in what the other clones are doing. He wants to be a good soldier because that good guy. soldiers follow orders. So him and, uh, I was only following Altus. him and, uh, what what did I just say his name was? Uh, Cody. No, the other one. Cross, crosshairs. Crosshairs. Yes. Uh, he's Not cross got, eyes. He's got a crosshair scar on his eye. But he uh, he and Cody team up, and it's kind of weird because you're not rooting for them because they're on the Empire side. And this is Cody and Crosshairs. Cody and Crosshairs. So it's two v four. Well, they are they're on a separate mission. Oh yeah, they got world. their own thing going on. Yeah, they they're given a task from the Empire to go on this other planet because basically this other planet doesn't want the Empire to take them over. Sure, kind of resisting a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So they go on a cool mission, and you're rooting against them, but then you kind of root for them because they're doing some sweet mm, stuff. Spend enough time with them, you get that parasocial relationship going on. You like them too much, you don't want to get rid of them. Exactly, so and you, you know who Cody is at this point, so you're kind of rooting for Cody. What's interesting, though, is at the end of the episode, there's this standoff where the Empire is trying to take over the government at that 
specific planet and cody is just like listen i'm here to help out like you can't resist us we're here to help we're here to make things better you know we're just trying to get order you know we're here to help your people and the lady that's in charge there is like you're not here to help what are you talking about and she kind of tells him what's going on with the with the empire moment of disillusionment and they're in the standoff she's got an imperial guy at gunpoint they've got her at gunpoint and he basically is like listen we're here, like we're this all is, Americans. This is peace. We're all clones here, except just me and Crosshair. <laughs> so, like everything de-escalates. Yeah. She puts her gun down. He puts his gun down. He literally sets it on the floor, and then she releases the Empire guy. And the Empire guy immediately says, "All right, thank you. Now execute her." Oh my god! And Cody's like, "Whoa." No, I just promised her peace. And he said, I said, that's a direct order. You execute her. Cody doesn't do it, but Crosshair <gasps> does. Oh, <laughs> so Crosshair no. kills the lady. And you see Cody having a moment of like, are we the good guys? Or are we the bad guys? Uh, are we the baddies? At the end of episode three, Crosshair gets put on another mission with a different clone commander. And he says to this, this admiral, the one that's zealous and trying to rise up the ranks and murdered that other clone suspiciously and secretly and uh he says he said crosshair says to him he's like why am i not working with cody again Mm. and he says oh that clone yeah he went awol (gasps) so cody is mia awol he is no longer associated with the empire maybe and i'm sure he'll show back up and maybe he'll team up with the bad batch and maybe he'll get a reunification with rex i really think that cody sounds like a traitor of a traitor, to the Empire. Of yeah. a traitor. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know if you can trust the guy. He just keeps turning his back on people. Well, you know, I like him. I have one question about Bad Batch. Bring it. Is, uh, what's the, the, Dave said there's something about Boba Fett having a sister. Uh, yes. Omega. Okay. Remember when I said Andor's got a sister he's looking for that's never been done before? Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Dang. Omega. Uh, Omega so is. So she's a lady clone? Yeah. Oh my God. She's the only female clone. Uh, she Did they just like make a mistake. She was super annoying in season one, but she's better now. But again, they're just like so the the end of episode four, they save Sid. Sid is the lady that's sending them on all these missions. They like need her, but sure. she also needs them. They just saved her life okay. in the last episode. So now it's like she really owes them. Sure. And hopefully there's going to start to be some progression because literally the last like five episodes is just, all right, Sid, what are we going to do today? You got to go to this world and you got to, there's a heist episode where they have to steal some of Dooku's war chest. That's what it's like to be a mercenary, dude. Yeah. It's like the so the Empire is taking all of Dooku's stuff from his home planet and they're sent there. If we could just get one of these containers from his war chest, it would be worth more than anything else. It's just one big job. It's all about the money. One more job and you guys are free. Well, it all goes sideways and it doesn't work out. Free? Free. Of oh, they're trying to make enough money to kind of like start a new life. Yeah, kind of. Because they have Omega and she's just a little kid. And they've, they've basically at this point committed to like, we're going to raise her, we're going to protect yeah. her, we're going to raise her, and she's with us. Taking care of a small child in the Star Wars show, that's never been... But then it's also this great. this pull of like, they feel like they should be doing more to stop the Empire, but they can't because they have no money and they have Omega. So we'll see where it goes, but Sid is, you know, the end of episode four, uh, somebody essentially whispers in there like, hey, you've been working with this Sid. And you've like you're loyal to her, but she mm. is not going to be loyal to you when yeah, the time comes. Really 
trying to pull the team apart. Yeah. You know so, what this sounds like, Austin? What and it actually, like? it is the thing that maybe makes me more interested in it than I was before. Mm. Is it sounds like a spiritual revival of Star Wars Republic Commando. Remember that game? Yes. That had the four clone troopers that were like the elite commando unit. Yeah. And uh, you kind of followed them mission to mission. Yeah. That game was critically short. Too short, in fact. Mm-hmm. I was always a little bit disappointed by that. Even as a kid when I was playing it, I was like, you play the game, you're like, that's it? Right. Falca, I was like on a, I was like on three planets. That was it. There are clone commandos in season one of Bad Batch. Okay. They run into them, and it's like the Bad Batch is clearly a, just like set apart and so much better than the, they call them the regs, the regular clones. But then they run into some commandos, and they like can't handle the commandos. Can't handle it. Yeah. What's uh, what makes this bad batch the bad batch? Are they just like, well, you know, we're cloning millions of clones and every once in a while we get some genetic defects and yeah. these guys are just monsters. They're psychos. Yeah. I mean, it's they've each got their own special they skill got weird set. tattoos. They're they're dying their hair. They're getting earrings and piercings and tattoos. And oh, God, like, what am I going to do? Wait till their father gets home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Hunter is the leader. Get home. He's kind of like uh, he's kind of like Rambo of the group, but he's got like heightened senses. He's faster. He's got tracking abilities. His hearing and sight are better. Uh, tech is like the tech genius. He's the hacker. Uh, what's the face? Crosshairs is the sniper, but he's he's on the Empire side now. Uh, and then you've got Echo, who is a regular clone but he died and then he didn't and then he came back and now he's got a robot arm oh so he's kind of like half droid and he does a lot of like oh let me hack into the mainframe and then you've got wrecker who's just a giant brute and he's the muscle he's the tank yeah so is echo called echo like do they have like do they explain why they have all these uh echo is literally from season one of clone wars he's like one of the og characters that you you've get introduced to okay and then he dies and disappears on one of the missions with anakin obi-wan ahsoka and another guy that i forget but he was known as echo before he died he was or they thought he died yes oh, i thought he was like echo because it's like you know you died and now you're just like you're just the reverberations of your old self <laughs> slowly drifting off into eternity exactly okay. so it's I, it's a fun show they're quick episodes not if you're your son it's essentially (laughs) again it's just like clone wars where it's like this is fun this is great oh my god they just (laughs) cut that guy's head off um keep it on it's it's essentially the next season of clone wars it's like all the storylines that feloni probably wanted to dive into but he ran out of time uh so he's getting his chance one fun fact in the uh latest episode the pod racer episode that just dropped uh there is a droid that is one of the pod racers uh, called Teo, and he's kind of like the ringer. He's the goat. Okay. He's he is Sabola. voiced by Ben Schwartz. Oh, yeah. And I had to look it up because as, as soon as he started talking, I'm like, why? That is a familiar voice. That's not just some random. So Ben is Schwartz. Is it fair for a droid to be a pod racer, though? Well, that's the thing. He's like, he can, it's, he can calculate. It's, it's not fair. He's the, the goat. He can calculate everything. Like, you stupid humans, because tech is talking to him about it. He's like, well, how do you, like, what is this all about? And he's like, you stupid human. You don't know anything. You could Me never tech. do what I do. I'm the goat. And then it ends up being tech who who is the winner. Good for him. He fills in for Teo because I feel that wrecked. there's a disastrous lack of pod racing in Star Wars lately. It's a great episode, Sean. In fact, I think I've told you this before in The Last Jedi. 
you're in the casino and suddenly the casino starts rumbling and mm. everybody's like, oh my gosh, what do you, you know, Finn and Rose are like, oh, what's that? Let's go see. And they go outside and I'm like, oh, it's going to be pod racers, isn't it? And it's, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was horse racing. Dude, they should have done pod racing. Gosh. That whole movie. Gosh darn it. More. More. I do like Kylo though. Uh, I got to say. I like Kylo. I like the movie. I yeah. do like the movie. But the version I have in my head of what it could be yeah. is so much better. And that's the problem. I sometimes cry. That's the problem with the whole sequel trilogy. Yeah. you. It, it was like I listened to a guy talk about like, this is what they should have done. And I was like, this random dude who sure. has 10,000 followers on YouTube, he just wrote the trilogy, the sequel trilogy. It's infinitely better than Disney did. That's how you do it. Hire that man. And then hire this guy. And then hire that guy. That's right. I mean, remember my revising of Attack of the Clones? Or uh, your rewrite of Freck in Obi-Wan? Yeah. I'm going to edit that so we get that on the internet. The world needs to know the truth about John, Freck. You're, you're a wizard. Is there going to be a Kenobi season two? They're kind of noncommittal about it. Probably, maybe. But we're pretty happy with how things ended. I bet you are. But wait. Maybe not. <laughs> We'll see. What would you even do in a Kenobi episode or just season two? Send him to Mustafar. Take me to Vader's castle. Just duke it out. Eight it's more times. like him. It's like it, it's like the opposite of a action show. It's like him purchasing property and like <laughs> moving out to the you know outside Mos Eisley and yeah. you know kind of like figuring out how to dealing with tax codes. Yeah, and like also like avoiding Tuscan Raiders because oh my gosh they're disgusting and right. I'm a racist. They? Boba not. Fett showed us a different way. He did, and then they all died. What are you going to do? All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Anything else you want to talk about, Sean? That's right, Chuck. The newest trailer for Mandalorian dropped. Looks pretty sweet. It does. I don't know if I will ever be okay with him being in a Naboo fighter. I love it. Well, except it's, it's like, like a Corvette. Yeah, but doesn't it feel like such a downgrade from his other ship? Total downgrade. Because his other ship had like a place he could sleep and it had like a thing he could keep prisoners in. Tons and of storage. Yeah. Yeah. It was like and a now cargo it's van. Like, it, and now it's like poor Grogu's just got to like chill on his lap and like, yeah. there's, like there's no room. Like this doesn't seem this can't be a long term solution. That and just like the merchandise that Disney put forward with his uh, what? gosh what's his ship called? I forgot. The big old beefy boy the beefy boy yeah like the my son has three or four beefy boy toys i want the lego set yeah to the listeners at home my birthday's coming up <laughs> comment your uh birthday gift for sean. <laughs> we could start a venmo or uh, a, uh paypal. What paypal um no what do they call the patreon <laughs> kickstarter <laughs> amazon wishlist yeah we'll get you that we'll fund it happy birthday to the ground <laughs> okay all right well i think that pretty much wraps it up thanks for listening guys i'm looking um, forward to all of these things like comment subscribe we're sorry that we couldn't give you the full rundown oh we also did kind of a 2022 wrap-up episode um i mean 2022 was great we started this podcast we're excited to see what happens in 2023 we made some predictions of what will happen to this channel in 2023 i think we'll keep those close to the vest for now and, uh, and nobody needs to know what's going to happen next. Just take you guys along for the ride. We appreciate each of you. For those of you that watch on YouTube, thank you. Uh, Sean does a great job editing these videos, so I think watching on YouTube is probably the best way to uh, get your 99 nerds filled. But if you're listening on Spotify, Instagram, Google Play, all the things, we appreciate you listening. Give us a five-star review. 
and uh, tell us what you think David's doing right now instead of being here recording. Normally, my go-to answer is massive diarrhea, but I don't think that's the case today. He might be taste testing for, uh, you know, his wedding ceremony or something. Yeah, he's getting married? Yeah, he's getting married. Oh, man. Young guy. He's going to change everything. Dude, are we about to become 100 nerds? Or are we about to become 66 nerds? Real quick, before I, 66. before I forget, did it make you like a little happy every single time they kept saying nine, Unit 99 or whatever when you're watching Bad Batch? <laughs> uh, you know what's interesting is this podcast started after 99 uh, or after <laughs> Bad Batch launched. Sure. But it really wasn't about Unit 99 of the Bad Batch. Now you've been talking about 99 nerds for... At least five or ten minutes before that. Dude, it was maybe even like 18 minutes. Um, it's not yeah. Good. It's not good. Unit crazy. 99. That's us, dude. That's us. Am I tech? Getting, no, you're tech. Getting nuked from orbit while we're chilling on Camino. Am I Hunter? What's David? Is David Omega? <laughs> he's definitely crosshairs. Oh, my God. That's why he's not here. He's, he's setting up our betrayal. He's on the other side. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Question for the peeps. Who's your favorite Unit 99 member? Also, what were some of your thoughts about Andor? Yeah. And if, and, and if you haven't watched it yet, why? Why not, Austin? <laughs> and have you seen Avatar? What did you think of Avatar? Give us your uh, 1 out of 10 score for Avatar. Uh, I was a hater, but I'm now a believer, and I can't wait to see number three. Dang you, James Cameron. You're a celebrator now. I guess. All right. Thank you, fam. Peace.